0: Hi everyone, and welcome to My Dog Ate My Email, a podcast all about email from the DMA. I'm your host, Lily Boeve, Director of Client Success at Vuture, and today I'm joined by my fellow email council members. We've got Gavin Logeny, Head of Insights and Strategy at Dot Digital, and we also have Nick Crawford, CRM and Automation Consultant. So before we get into the crux of the podcast, Gav, do you want to just tell our listeners a little bit more about
1: yourself and, and what you do? I'm head of strategy and insight at Dot uh, Digital. Uh, essentially, means I help clients understand a little bit more about their customers uh, through um, sort of deep dive data sessions, automation, um, and understanding exactly what channels they should be using and what's going to drive most ROI. Excellent. Thank you very much. Nick, do you want
0: to tell us a little bit more about what you do?
2: Yes, of course. And thank you very much for the invite. Uh, so my name is Nick Crawford. I spent the last five years working for a marketing automation provider, taking key clients from pretty much uh, an all center to every, everyone, to everything, sends to more targeted and, and relevant messaging. And for the last two and a half years, founded my own consultancy. Uh, and from that, spent 18 months with Travelodge, onboarding a new segmentation platform and increasing the sophistication of their sends and currently I'm the channel manager of CRM for the RSPB.
0: Excellent, brilliant, thank you very much. So in today's podcast we're going to be talking about segmentation and personalisation which I think between the three of us, we could probably talk about this mm-hmm. for hours. In fact, Gav just asked me, how long is this podcast supposed to be? And what what uh, the last one was intended to be about half an hour long, and it ended up being an hour and 15 minutes. So who knows how long this podcast but might be. all good
1: quality up. stuff.
0: Absolutely. I mean, I've, I've listened to it twice myself, even though I recorded it, and, <laughs> and I still found it interesting. So I guess to, to kind of start us off, I thought we could just define what we mean when we talk about segmentation and personalization because I do think it's still a little bit unclear to most marketing practitioners mm. exactly what those two definitions are. So Nick, for you, what what is the difference between the two terms or is there even a difference between the two terms? Yeah, I think
2: there's, uh, there is definitely a difference and it's an important difference. So if we perhaps just frame the whole piece in terms of thinking about digital maturity, and that progression from all the same message to everyone, and how do you then start to become understand the differences in your audience and your customers, and therefore the different messages you might want to give? Segmentation is the foundation of that because that's splitting up your database, your audience into different groups. But the segmentation is done at an anonymized basis, so it's finding the trends and the patterns and the groups of customer likes within that uh, within that base. What personalization does is it builds on that and it takes those segmentation differences and actually then links that to you as an individual and therefore allows you to uh, tailor messages relative to you, your behaviour, your uh, profile. But the key difference there is that because that becomes personal, that's where GDPR and the data transparency then needs a more conscious consideration.
0: I think you pretty much de- defined it, <laughs> at least for me anyway. Nailed it. it. Uh, G- Gavin, is there, is there anything that you want to add to that? Or, or maybe if you have a different opinion. Yeah,
1: <coughs> no, 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 no. It's, it's pretty much the same opinion. I think um, the way I look at it is I, I see them as email twins. Or oh. put, it, put it really nicely. <laughs> They're email twins. You can't have one without the other. Um, okay, y- you might be able to get a little bit... Uh, along the way with just segmentation alone but yeah. you can't do that for very long you know quickly people are going to turn off and start, start engaging more with other people who are going to know them better and you know they're personalizing um so you should you should have them both working together in unison. Um, but yeah you can't you, you can't really have have one without the other. I don't think it's, it's really I guess when I mean,
0: if you're just looking at segmentation in isolation, it's still relatively generic. So just yeah. taking a really simple example exactly. and splitting out the, the genders, you, you know, you could have a gender specific email which is often yeah. done within retail, but it's still a very generic mm kind of masculine feminine approach yeah. you know men's clothes women's clothes obviously yeah. there's there's a big debate about gender neutral clothes but mm-hmm. more or less most retailers tend to go down the two different genders but then layering on personalization yeah. is that you know i am a woman yeah. i do not wear dresses mm-hmm. therefore sending me something with dresses is not going to be personal to me as an yeah. individual yeah and there'll be other people with different particular personal opinions views and, and whatnot yeah. so that's
2: so I think um, you know to kind of look at that um, in terms of uh, where people struggle to get started with segmentation and personalization. The segmentation gives you some some fairly big blocks. So actually, it might be prospect versus customer. Right. It might be uh, multi-purchaser versus uh, lapsing. So it actually gives you some some. Fairly broad strokes, but starts to at least narrow yeah. it down a little bit, and the personalization then adds context. So actually, I might yeah. be lapsing, but am I lapsing, have I just started to lapse, yeah. or am I a long-term lapser? Yeah. And actually, what did I purchase, or view, or download... And therefore, you add that layers of sophistication to make it more and more relevant as you get to it. Yeah, it's like the icing on the cake.
1: I, I, I kind of like that where you're saying, you know, you've got those sort of broad buckets. Because I, I think in some cases, people don't realize they're already segmenting. You know, that's, that's actually yeah. something that they're, they're currently doing. And they might beat themselves down. It's like, where do I start? Well, you've kind of got the buckets already. You've got your prospects and your existing uh, customers. That's already a, a segment for you.
0: Some people don't even see prospects and customers as being two different segments I think but, if they're re- yeah. if they're really basic mm-hmm. maturity in terms of the way they do their marketing yeah. they you know a lot of people a lot of companies would still just send one generic email for everyone but actually it's like well you know who your customers are mm-hmm. because they've paid and handed over money and then those that are not and yeah. they are two different groups it's a really yeah. nice simple basic level of, of segmentation just, yeah,
1: just to get yourself started you yeah. know, just, to, just to see that that is something that is a segment for you if you want to go a little bit deeper you can do um, and you start understanding a little bit more about your, your customers and then you, your, your segments, your buckets in, increase or you know the numbers that you have increase and maybe those buckets get a little bit smaller but once you get smaller straight away you know more about them right so you should be layering that on, on top that, that as I said the icing on the cake which is that, that personal piece, that personal touch
0: all three of us are on the same page in terms of the definition between the two, but mm. why is it important for marketers to do segmentation and or personalization? Because obviously we just talked about some companies may not be in a position to do personalization, but are they? And why is it, why is it important?
2: <laughs> we both went to speak at the same time. Yeah, then yeah. first rule of podcast, don't do that. So we won't break that rule. <laughs> we um, made deep eye contact, though. Yes, indeed. <laughs> I felt that. They, it they a actually, moment. They actually did. There was a, there was a definite moment. Yeah, there, there was, was they, a moment, yeah. So I think that part of the answer to that question is about creating relevancy. Mm. So if we take as a premise that relevancy engages and engagement converts, and that conversion can be anything from a purchase to a download to a attendance, then actually how do you find that relevancy without segmentation, which then leads to personalization? So if we, you know, just looking at some of the uh, industry research that's out there, we've got a marketing insider group uh, survey who found that um, 78% of respondents agreed that personalised content would increase monetary intent. Often we kind of Offer these stats and everyone goes, yeah, yeah, it's just a number. But actually, just think of yourself as a consumer. Mm. Think of your own behavior. You know, We often say this, we forget as marketers that we're consumers as well, mm-hmm. and we try and wear a different hat. But actually, if you have a message that resonates with you and therefore is relevant, you engage with it. Yeah. And likewise, the other 94% of messages that you see, you, you don't. If we maybe look at the DMA email tracker, results as well in terms of what an individual would want to be able to control from an email messaging point of view in the top three are the ability to uh, personalize emails so they are asking for personalization and relevancy Mm -hmm. but interestingly the biggest one was actually a reduction in frequency we all kind of get this sense that there's too much email being sent but I would challenge that in terms of what's being sent is too much irrelevant email yeah yeah because actually if what you're being sent is uh relevant you will consume all of it and i've sat in many of focus groups where people start by going i get too many emails don't send me don't bombard me and then you have a further conversation and they go but i'm really interested in uh, rock music at you know stadiums so send me all you've got on those because i want to know everything about yeah, it. yeah. Well, So it
0: stops being market i've heard this it stops being that, yeah. marketing when it becomes relevant yeah yeah It's only marketing when it isn't relevant, which is a really weird situation to kind of find yourself in as marketers in that it's only the people that engage that don't consider it as marketing.
1: We've only got ourselves to blame then, really, haven't we? You know, if we're we're just going to be sending out any old dross, then if you won't read it yourself, how can you expect other people to read it? Now, if you're not engaged with what you're, you're, you're writing, what you're sending out, then no one else is going to want to read it either. So you've got to start there, for starters, and then look at exactly who you're sending to and are they going to be interested in that, that sort of stuff you're sending out you know make it make it for them with there's so much choice at the moment for people you know it's kind of it's kind of crippling yeah. I've, I've done a sort of a lot of sort of research into into how how choice is crippling people and you know you get overwhelmed with things and all of a sudden you just don't make any decisions at all yeah yeah it must happen. I was reading this, this book of, um, by Aziz Ansari about modern day romance and it, it sort of goes into the sort of Tinder thing, you know, there's so many people online sort of swiping left and right and they're not deciding on one particular thing because there's so much choice out there. So surely it comes back to us to, to sort of narrow things down and understand what it is that person is actually looking for, listen to that person and then, uh, you know, give them exactly what they want so they can cut through that noise And they don't need all that other choice because we're actually serving up exactly what they want.
0: You know what you want, but it's like, can other people figure out what it is that you want as well or what you need? Like, I I know this is nothing related to email, but my, my local supermarket is one of those really small Sainsbury's. And they are constantly restocking because of the amount of people and throughput that they get. And mm-hmm. literally constantly restocking. Mm-hmm. And I am astonished by the amount of products that they have available in this one, Sainsbury's. And I actually prefer to go there than the really massive hypermarket right. because it's so much choice. Like I've Yes, I have found myself down the sweet aisle and been so overwhelmed,
2: mm-hmm. had
0: a bit of anxiety and then walked away not buying anything because it was too much choice. Whereas I know in my local Sainsbury's, there's like five chocolate bars you can buy and that's it. That's the only choice you get. Yeah. yeah. And, it's, and, it, and it works because, and what they have done, and this is what I think is great. And Sainsbury's, if you're listening, well done to you. <laughs> they have captured the product. I mean, you can buy roasted artichokes and sun-dried tomatoes and pine nuts in my local Sainsbury's. But you go down the road to the the next town across, it's a totally different set of products. Completely, there's no way you would find artichokes in the other Sainsbury's in the next town across. And I'm like, that is brilliant because they know the different areas Mm -hmm. and what people are likely to buy.
1: You always say, know your audience. Yeah, Yeah. that's it.
0: Yeah, and it's the same applies for email. Obviously, this is in store, but the same applies for email. you're, you're,
1: You're literally trying to take that experience you have... In in a you know in a store on the high street, you're trying to take that experience and place it online. That's what you're trying to do, really. So just pick up on everything you would do in a store naturally, and just try to convert that into the, the online experience. Makes it sound simple, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. So I,
0: I guess we'll get into the, the the nuts and bolts of how to segment in 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 a moment. I, I think. I think the, the the main thing for me is that, that marketing as a whole has really evolved in the last sort of 40 years. You know, back from the, the kind of Mad Men times where you were told, this is what you're going to buy. You have one advert, that's it. It's no longer like that. Marketers don't control the buying cycle. Consumers do. And so we as marketers have to go along with that, and we have to provide things in the way that the consumers want in order for them to buy. The, the, mm. the, the way their demands have changed, and as a result, we have to work towards those demands.
2: Yeah, so I think um, one, that comes back to this choice paralysis uh, point, which I think is you know, is absolutely valid. Um, but I think also, you know, coming back to this uh, trying to kind of write and understand your customer, Part of the challenge in that is not putting your own bias on it as well, and therefore the um, discipline of segmentation and data-led or um, smart marketing or intelligent marketing, is the phrase now we we love a love a buzz phrase in the marketing world, and that's the next one kind of surfacing no. through Do we? intelligent marketing. But fundamentally, what that's saying is take away the assumption and actually let the data lead, let the behaviour lead. Uh, and therefore, what I think my customer might want, it becomes irrelevant. Actually, I'm letting them tell me what I sh- they that I should be showing at mm-hmm. what point to understand that context. And therefore, my marketing gets smarter because it's not based on assumption.
1: Yeah, yeah. Assumption is is just a, a surefire way of messing things up. Um, wow.
0: I, if you assume yes. something, you make an ass no, out so. of you and me. I Indeed. Mean, yeah. I, I, was avoiding,
1: I was avoiding saying that. What, you mean the cliché, marketing clichés? <laughs> yeah, <cliches>? exactly. Yeah, <laughs> totally. well, I've said a few of them already, my... uh, Yeah. A, should we I, should
0: play cliché <laughs> bingo in these podcasts, I think, actually. I
1: think we, we could quite easily or do if, that. Or it
0: could be a drinking game. Listeners, if you're listening to this, every time you say the word relevancy <laughs> or targeted, drink. <laughs> the great yeah. drinking game.
1: I thought you were going to say we were going to drink. Was, uh, this is, okay,
0: it's... it is so we can start and it world. is after midday
1: Somewhere and you know, in the that's it. The sun it's over is over the arc arm, so it's it's pretty late. No but as I was I was gonna say, you know, if um if we're assuming we do make an arse out of you and me, um but um, surely we, we, we should just listen to the data. That's 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 the key here. Listen to the data. And uh, you know, we might we might kind of get into it a little bit later, but uh, that's probably where a lot of people are failing
0: let's get into it now I mean the, you know that's what's that's one of the biggest challenges yeah. of segmentation yeah. and personalization In
1: it's, it's, it's the lack of data or l- lack of accurate lack of data I did a I did a webinar this week and um, we had a poll on there and one of the questions was it was like you know how you can get people to stay on websites that's the almost the whole thing of the, the point of the the, the the webinar but we threw into the poll you know what the problems that people have and it was having quality data. And it was one of the highest things that people uh, they, they thought was a big issue for them. And I, I really didn't think it was, for the tone of the webinar, I didn't think it was going to be um, something that was so important to people. But having quality data is really an issue. And I don't think people, one, know how to get hold of it, but then two, once they get it, they don't know what to do with it either.
0: No, they don't. Um, the, next week I'm doing um, uh, a lecture on marketing analytics, mm. and I've been looking a lot into, in, into the, the data piece and thinking a lot more around the experience I've had. Yeah. And I think, I actually am not sure whether it is a lack of data. Yeah, I think... That given the technology systems that most marketers have and the CRMs, I'm not saying all, but generalization. Say, yeah. Most marketers will have some sort of technology that they use to help them. Mm-hmm. And every single technology I've ever come across has some sort of insight or data. Yep. So there is something that can be used. It's just a question of how you use it. And I think that yeah. is the challenge is yeah. that people, people don't necessarily know how to use the data mm-hmm. that they have access to mm-hmm. or that they even know that they have access to that kind of data that they could then use yeah. to segment or personalize. I was going to
1: say, sometimes people don't know they have this data as well. It's like not having a, a true understanding of exactly what data you, you carry or you, you, know, you have access to. Um, you know, as I mentioned at the beginning, one of the things I do with clients is, is do data audits. And you kind of run through and people think, yeah, we have you know, we don't know why we're doing so badly. You know, we've got this, that and the other. And you run through an audit and you can see something silly like, I don't know, date of birth. You know, we want to do more, um, you know, date, um, uh, birthday programs, blah, blah, blah. And you look at date of birth and only a third of their data, they've got date of yeah. birth for. And it's like, well... D- would you expect you're not going to be able to do it and actually half of those are wrong as well you know it's is that t- it's that type of thing you know people aren't understanding enough about the data they have um but then i said once they've got like a, let's say you've got a, a clean set of data and it's all it's all really you know heavily populated and um you've got everything you need then what Well, that's there Therein yeah. lies the challenge yeah
2: and i think that is the job of the modern marketeer mm. is to is to know and to learn how to ask those so what questions, because if you because there is more data in theory, and I absolutely accept that you know there are lots of businesses who are slightly afraid of their data. Had mm-hmm. um, an old boss of mine who beautifully described data as the ugly baby of marketing, on the grounds that you know that you should love it, but you don't really want to hug it. I think there is a oh there's so many things really, wrong
0: with
1: that that really that really annoys me because one of my things at the moment is I'm saying data is very sexy yeah
2: data is sexy but you have to not be afraid of it yeah, that's yeah. the thing isn't it well, I'm not afraid of it so sexy <laughs> we may be coming back to Tinder <laughs> do sorry. you know what
0: the word sexy has featured in almost every single one of these podcasts so far that's data how we roll Data sexy, email sexy, Yeah.
1: <laughs> so my dad ate my, my my dad my dog ate my sexy <laughs>
0: <laughs> get <my sex>
1: in. <laughs> <laughs>
2: We're going to keep and that able to yeah. Yeah, okay. yeah Um so it's this so what function so yeah. for example um, you know if you ask your business intelligence or your data science function within a business um, tell me what you know of the data one of the first questions I ask is well what do you want to know because mm. their frame of reference is give me a question or a problem and I'll go find it. Or what happens is they find you the trend. So, for example, uh, working at Travelodge, we were looking at lapsing customers. So the data science team came back and said, actually, we've got four groups. We've got you know people that lapse after 30 days. We've got people that lapse after 90. People that lapse after 13 months and long-term lapses. And you go, okay, but what's different about them? I need one more point of reference mm. to be able to then be able to personalise that message. And yeah. so it's that. Challenge back, and that's just kind of knowing. Are they business people? Are they families?
0: Are they, you know, single travelers that have gone to a place once and once only? You know, that kind of thing. Yeah, Yeah. and it's
2: and it starts to kind of spiderweb out. So, actually, part of that answer might be uh, poor experience. So, actually, that you know, lapsing after the after 30 days is because uh, you know, if you track that back to their net promoter score or your customer experience or your survey piece, actually, is there a correlation between? first-time quick lapses and the experience that they actually had. So you then start to get other points of reference. So then you Mm -hmm. can start to plug that in and go, okay, now I know that I can feed that customer experience score into my uh, marketing plans and that actually the sends that I give post-stay or post-purchase to that individual is going to be very different from somebody who loved the product or who's bought a second and a third time. And then you get smart with it. Yeah.
1: yeah, I mean, you're not going to start talking to someone about how great their holiday was if they've turned around and said that was awful. I'm never traveling with you guys again.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. but you wouldn't do. But but some people you are do. doing that. Yeah, it's right up there with I've just bought a purchase and now you give me an offer for the same product. Oh my god, oh that yeah. is
0: one of the single most frustrating things. Or they keep asking you to buy the same product yeah. or the like. E. E-bu- sorry, eBuyer. eBuyer was terrible at this. You buy a laptop and then. It's like, how many laptops do you think I'm going to buy? Stop sending them to me. At least for twelve. Yeah. Give me twelve months.
1: Yeah, it's not just eBay though, is it? No, I mean, it's not. Nice. It's, it's. I mean, name your brand. I <laughs> say, Look, it's it, it kind of it's I kind of bleep them at, out.
0: Actually, <laughs> it's kind
1: of looked at as the holy grail. You know, I've got the app Amazon. You know, you you buy something on Amazon, and straight away I'm getting like recommendations for things that are pretty much exactly the same as what I've just bought. Yeah. <laughs> I know. And I, was, I had it over
2: Christmas because we right. do a lot of browsing. I bought some Christmas gifts, um, and then got offers on what on the items I had just purchased. And you go, and this is pre-Christmas. You kind of would accept it if you go in the January sale. You know, do you want it again? Or there's an offer? But pre-Christmas, having just purchased, and again, that's where segmentation should absolutely rule. Yeah. purchase versus not purchased or not purchased recently. Divide out and start different journeys for each of those. But sports. then, surely on different products as well. Like, little just said, you
1: know, buy a laptop. You bought a laptop. Am I really going to want to buy another one straight away? Probably. Probably not. not. You know, just just be smarter about it. That's that's yeah. the thing. Just just have some common sense in, in what you're doing.
0: I have to say, there's a, there's a company I bought some plants from recently, and their marketing is mm-hmm. actually really good in that they didn't just sell me the same mm-hmm. plants that I just bought. Mm-hmm. But the way in which they positioned it was, like, how to look after but You know, that's obviously a big challenge for a lot of people. How do you look after the plants after you've bought them? What should you do? It's coming up to spring. Make sure you are doing these things if you're not a... You know, I imagine that the people that tend to buy from this company are those that are wannabe gardeners. Yeah. Because the the actual real gardeners will be going to a real garden centre rather than buying online, perhaps. Making massive assumptions here, but you know they they the way they did their marketing after i'd made the purchase was re- actually was really really slick and i thought was a really good approach in terms of personalization and the images they used in their email mm-hmm. were the plants that i bought
1: yeah. there you go
0: which is great like Relevancy. that's what we mean by by like personalization right they they knew i was a customer but they personalized the emails based on the the plant that I bought, and that was the picture in their email. Mm. That is personalization because it's it's important and relevant. I, to me. I think yeah,
1: stressing that as well. What, what exactly personalization could be in, a, in an email? It's not just dear first name. Yeah, you know. What <laughs>
0: are what other what, other, what other examples have you come across of that that level of of personalization compared with a, <clears throat> a segmented email?
1: Well, I don't, I don't know. Would we go down this route of thinking something like I guess? would you call it hyper-personalization with um, geolocation, that sort of stuff? So that, you know, when you open up your, your campaign, you're looking at this email, it's 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 relevant to your surroundings. Is that is that yeah. work for you as well? I, 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 think it, I, think it, I think it does work for, for me. Um, and that, that kind of takes things to another level um, in terms of personalizing content. Um I think yeah, you just you just need to think a little bit a little bit further. But you, I guess you can go a couple of steps back. We were talking about you now segmentation based on on gender is one thing. I think it's kind of a, a basic basic technique. But then you can personalize your content all the way through using gender. So you've segmented on on that, male or female, and then you've led through to having the content display you know accordingly. That's I mean that's where you can start off. You know, get get that footing in there,
2: understand that, and then sort of springboard into into something else a little bit deeper. So the only consideration I would add to that is um, using single points of data mm-hmm. is a is a dangerous approach. Yeah. So, for example, I buy clothes from Jules, but I only ever buy for my wife, and therefore all of my purchases are female items. Yeah. So if they use my purchase mm-hmm. or my gender, both of those are going to be wrong because there's no context. Yeah. So actually, understanding gender because they I create an account and therefore you can ask that quite easily and looking at purchase history mm-hmm. there is then a better correlation that yeah. you can start to make actually that tailored messaging should be more about are you buying a gift or here's a recommendation mm-hmm. or you know starting to try and get a little bit uh, kind of smarter yeah yeah it's
0: it's so funny you bring that up there's a there's a company that my partner buys stamps for her dad they must think that we are like the biggest stamp collectors because the amount it's like every birthday every father's day every christmas it's always vouchers for these stamps <laughs>
1: we but just then, don't care but then look at the times that you're buying as well you just said you know you're buying christmas and obviously that not know the birthday but father's day that those are those are days and maybe you can just ask oh yeah ask exactly. ask the question until you until you ask, you don't you don't know. Yeah. And I was a complete hypocrite when I was saying about you know gender or blah because blah, blah, I was talking to a, a client the other day, a shirt maker, um, saying you know sometimes you know men are buying um, shirts for for their um, their partners and you know likewise women and you know all, all sorts. So you, you don't know until no. you ask. No, and you, you
0: can't make those. This is the thing that comes back to you can't make those assumptions, and Not then all. you know you have the aspirational preferences as well like you know that kind of came back to um a cinema chain that i worked with in in the past where they said they gave they gave us the example of the parents of the of a family and their aspirations are for kind of art house cinema movies you know that that kind of ilk Mm. except that the only things they ever go and see at the cinema were children's movies and so their preferences were one thing, but the reality of their purchases were very, very different. But actually, if they want to engage that individual, they still have to send out the aspirational mm. art house kind of themed movies compared with yeah. the children's movies they're going to go and see. Anymore. No, and I, th- I think what
2: we've kind of is showing here is actually very quickly, segmentation, personalisation can seem to get very complicated because you suddenly go, oh, yeah, it's a simple split or things. And then you go, oh, but what about this? And what yeah. about that? Uh, and that can be one of the reasons that the businesses don't do it is actually they get slight they start they have an ambition and they start to get into it and it sure. just seems too complex to do yeah um so i think you know dot digital have that great phrase in terms of kind of start simple scale quickly mm-hmm. absolutely agree with that 100 i think mm-hmm. that can apply mm-hmm. here um i also think that actually this is where uh, and there's another buzzword coming in buzzword warning for the drink this is where artificial intelligence <laughs> oh, will help yeah. the market <laughs> oh, did as well i did it i've gone there um <clears throat> but there's a kind of couple of considerations here so uh Gavin, were you saying about, um, I've just bought a TV and therefore I'm unlikely to purchase for a longer period? Mm -hmm. Uh, So, okay, slightly geeky one here. So there's a lovely phrase, which is temporal correlation. And what that is... is Definitely not a buzz phrase. It's the ability um, for machine learning to understand that the purchase you've just made or the action you've just taken is unlikely to be repeated for a length of time, sure. but to then put in associated next best actions. Yep. So I've just bought a smart TV, actually I might then want to start seeing promotions about content channels, or streaming, or Netflix, mm-hmm. or additional supplemental mm-hmm. products. So that helps that kind of personalization and relevancy. Um, the other <coughs> kind of element where it can help is what's called collaborative filtering. So that's where actually um, you can take all of those data points, so actually gender, purchase, Use uh, frequency and where you know to a certain extent our little minds really um, struggle to kind of put all this together in a meaningful way. Artificial intelligence and deep learning will allow us to then say, you know, this purchase at this frequency, based on this gender, based on location of you know, either purchase or view. Actually, here's the next best action that comes from that. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's where actually artificial intelligence and marketeers will really start kind of working in in partnership.
1: Yeah,
0: I I had done, it's the use of artificial intelligence or or leveraging bigger data in more comprehensive ways. Uh, There was an example from um, a department store I previously worked with and they had a very interesting approach so that you know we've just talked about the challenges of getting so deep in personalization that you basically don't do anything because you you, you know you could personalise till the cows come home but mm-hmm. actually is it worth it for the marketer in terms of their time and what the, the way this company approached it because they're a department store it's not just the products but it's the brands and it's the frequency is it in store is it you know there's so many different different variables that what they did was they took all of their purchase behavior browse behavior in store out store everything properly crunched it so nothing to do with necessarily artificial intelligence but they just did relatively straightforward statistical modeling and what Mm. they ended up with with with, was seven distinct so there were seven distinct groupings for women Seven uh, five distinct groupings for men and three distinct groupings for children, and so what they ended up doing was naming each of those groups, and they they, they had them like um, the 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 um, Miss Glam, and Miss Glam, and um, this is just an example. Miss Glam was interested in products like Gucci or Prada or the kind of more high-end fashion, whereas you had the, the hipster, which was interested in slightly different kinds of brands and different kinds of yeah. products. And so the more, and then what they ended up doing was applying artificial intelligence. So the more data they had, it learned from those behaviours. So if someone did something here, or visited or browsed or purchased, it would make that grouping even more comprehensive. So then when someone new came on board, they would say, okay, this person purchased Prada, Therefore, we're going to assume that they're this person. But actually, what's happening is that was one purchase. It was a gift. But the reality is that they are this other person. And so they only ever had seven segments. But within those seven segments, based on your past purchase, they would make product recommendations based Mm -hmm. on your past purchases. So they only ever sent seven different emails. But then within those emails... There was slightly different content based on your past purchases, which was much easier for them to use in terms of data. And I think that model is one that I've seen used in yeah. slightly more simple ways yeah. for other other organisations. Yeah,
1: personas is, is 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 definitely the key. I think it, it it gives it gives more life, more vibrancy to the data you have. So you can maybe for for the the I guess the basic marketer can understand their data a little bit more because there was the points from both of you guys I was thinking I forgot a point to to go back to and it's all about you were saying Nick about having a data scientist team or data science team not everyone's going to have that Mm. but I've been looking into how the modern day marketer kind of has to be a data scientist of some sort um, and that's what I was talking about sort of understanding your, your data a little bit more so you can get to that holy grail place of of kind of having that um, those personas those those seven personas and that's it you don't have to go any further you just have to let um, recommendation engines you know populate the content in that, that campaign for you because you know the groups you're sending to um, but it, I guess it's getting to that place um, and it's not not everyone has that the time or the team to go through and, and crunch the data in, in that way. So I guess really you have to start
2: looking at the tech to kind of help you along the way, right? Yeah. And I think definitely that approach of, you know, yeah, that's kind of jumping three steps into kind of maturity. That's the, the far right-hand yeah. side of a maturity model. But, you know, just getting from the from the first step of the left kind of onwards is saying, let's just separate out. And, you know, where, where it starts to become hard work, that's where starting to put... Some sense of return of investment in some yeah. sense of kind of uh, what does the success look like really helps. I mean, if we take you know um, the amount of bounce that any website gets, if we get the the fact that you know most emails at a broadcast level are ten percent or below in terms of open. Clearly, if they're triggered or automated, you're looking at fifty to sixty percent, but that's still a large amount of people that aren't engaging. Sure, even one percent uplifts. Yeah, you know, let's not pretend, let's be absolutely honest, you're not going to get it right all the time, but getting it more right is going to have a really big impact on both bottom line and profitability because you'll get a lifetime value increases through better engagement and better loyalty. Yeah,
1: yeah. absolutely. So...
0: For for those for those people listening who perhaps are part of a smaller team, who don't have endless resource, or perhaps maybe the knowledge or the skills to to do it, what would you recommend they start with? So let's say that they have nothing. So they are doing no segmentation or personalization. How where should they start?
1: Well, I, I think Nick sort of touched on it already is is kind of understanding what, what your end goal is. What does success look like for you? Um, so yeah, looking at your product um understanding the 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 audience that you're going to be selling to and then start starting to 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 look at what a persona could possibly be um and then once you started sending your campaigns out i was was going to maybe save this for the end just to leave it as a bit of a cliffhanger but you know there's still a place for batch and blast. Of course. Right. It works. It, do, it does work. It really does that's work. What, I mean, that's why spammers use it, right? Um, but, you know, sending out that, that Batch and Blast campaign to kind of get your footing to understand what people are doing. Because you're going to get a lot of feedback from that, that campaign, your know, you, you know, engagement, what people are clicking on. And if you're you know sophisticated enough, when they go through to the website, what they're clicking on and moving around on the sites as well, so that gives you something, a basis to, to kind of work from, um, and then you can start to say, all right, we've we've got these um, people doing these different things. Maybe we can use those as pots to start off with,
2: um, and then get a little bit more more granular after that. Yeah, agree completely. So I think um, yeah, you can do a lot of this strategy and planning with a pen and paper. You mm-hmm. don't need the technology, um, and really the. Maybe part of the support that comes from kind of, you know, um, listening to how other people have done it and using some of the marketing models is that it just gives you some small steps to take in the right order to get some results for you. So if we take the, some kind of basics, first thing to do is to look at your own business and offering and say, what's unique? What are, what are those key mm-hmm. messages? The second thing is to start to then say, who are my customers? Um, how can I divide them up? It might be as simple as prospect or customer. It might be actually I've got business versus private. It might be um, you know online, offline, whatever that those big broad statements are, and then just start to match those two things to say, okay, not all of my offerings are going to apply to all of my customers sure. all the time. That's so actually, right. if I've got one or two key pots as a priority, then what's the most important thing I can say to them based mm-hmm. on that on who they are and what they want at that moment in time? That is segmentation. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And therefore, even if you just have your newsletter that you normally send and you have one other variation that's based on high value or actually your offer only, depending on where your priority is, start there and see what difference that makes and then just build over time. One more and one more and mm-hmm. one more. And you yeah, so know within, the, within six months, you'll have yeah, a series of three or four segmented sends and I defy anyone not to see a business benefit from that approach. Course, yeah.
0: I think it's a really good approach. And actually, I'm going to use myself as a case study here. When I, I started sending emails to, to our clients, and in the first instance, I just sent one one batch and blast email mm-hmm. because I just simply didn't have the time to, to do the segmentation. And what's been happening is, okay, <laughs> then we segment it based on region. So we have an APAC US, UK, just simply to be able to send it in the right time zone. Yeah. With a localized language, and then I did one where it was like, "Oh, you know, the the cold is sweeping in," but that doesn't apply to Australia. It was like forty degrees, so just change the language of the email. <laughs> um, I know it seems really simple, but actually, if that that contact in Sydney looked at that email as the cold sweeps in, they're probably just going to get disengaged because they're like, "Well, they don't yeah. clearly don't have a clue because but it's forty degrees in the, Sydney." Yeah. But And now we're getting to the point where we're beginning to segment based on the actual CRM that our clients use, because Mm -hmm. that makes a difference to the way in which they use our product. And so that's now beginning to happen in terms of the content that we deliver. So, you know, we haven't quite got to the stage of personalization in the way that we've been describing with the retailers, Mm -hmm. but it's like a slow and steady, you know, we kind of you know, organic when it growth. becomes second nature, when it becomes something that you just do by default and it's easy, that's a good point at which to sort of move to the next yeah. level and yeah. go, OK, what else can I layer on that isn't going to cause me more work? Yeah. That I, you know, most marketers are busy people. They don't have enough time. But it's how can we layer it on and make it part of the overall process? Mm,
1: I do like that. It's like an organic growth. And I, I, I love that notion of sort of once it feels easy and it's not a chore anymore. That's the great point. Uh, no. Place to kind of move on to something different. No, and
2: what you will quite often find as well is that actually when you start having that success. Um, so let's let's put in a really easy segment. Let's do a, a basket abandon because it's, it has a high revenue kind of. If there's one trigger that any kind of business that needs to sell something needs, it's an abandon. I'll just abandon. say as well, that's a great fusion of both of those segmentation and personalization. Oh yeah, totally. I, that, that's a brilliant. That's a perfect yeah. fusion of both. So. Starting there, what that gives you is um, it's a very clear, um, relatively simple definition of who to send to and what to send. Mm-hmm. So there isn't a lot of kind of uh, thinking overhead required. And again, just coming back to incremental, you get 1% of, an, of baskets saved that will add to your bottom line and to your profitability. And I defy you then not to be able to take that to the business and go, if we can do two or three of these with either a bit more technology or a bit more support, here's a return of investment model, then that's a catalyst for, for change. Um, yeah. But it's based on a proven approach rather than going, I'd like to do this and I'm not sure what it will do. Yeah.
0: Well, that actually kind of leads down to, you know, you mentioned this right at the very beginning around the kind of the objectives and what, the, what you're trying to get at. If you can demonstrate that by personalising and by segmenting that you are achieving those objectives more often than not it is revenue of some sort it makes it a much easier conversation and a much easier to get buy-in in order to do it if you need more resource or, or more skill development or the better, better technology to allow you to do that more easily it makes it a much easier conversation if you can demonstrate that by um, sending out a cart abandonment email we can recover x amount more revenue than mm. if we didn't it's like not doing it means we're not making this money but by doing it we're going to grow our revenue yeah it's a it's easy
2: no and although you know i, I would also because i can already hear the audience the b2b audience and the non-e-commerce audience oh, going go. what are you doing Don't start what are you doing on that. it's just, always e-commerce always e-commerce but actually it's about that success metric so for b2b it might be You know, you can put some really simple lead scoring in that gives you a value to that prospect or that customer. And actually, how can your simple uh, inclusions of relevance, like location or like last product used, Mm -hmm. what does that do to that lead scoring? Um, With the work I'm doing with the RSPB, um, yes, there is a revenue stream. There's an ask in terms of kind of membership and donations. But it's m- as much about supporter uh, involvement. So yes. it's time, it's campaigning, it's uh, attending reserves. So there are a number of different engagement metrics that are not too difficult to start to unpick, even if it's about um, you know how many you know length on website or number of different content or blogs seen. Yeah. Something really simple that says I've brought them back. I've brought them back. And and the point you made about actually sending um, cold weather snaps to Australia. You know, we also know that you know the biggest um, influence on whether you're going to open that next email is how valuable the last one was, and therefore, actually, you keep getting that wrong. That's the quickest route to not necessarily unsubscribe because that's a passive thing, but actually not reading emails, which is an even more toxic. Mm. Uh, yeah situation
0: i I think you know this could be an entirely new podcast around the differences between b2b and b2c but with an example like the rspb i imagine there is some sort of form that you have to complete as a volunteer in order to help at the reserves yeah so that form can be abandoned in the same way that a cart can be abandoned and actually if the rspb were to then send a form abandonment hey you know you you started to fill in our volunteer registration form you know why don't you finish it? Or did you need some help? Or, you know, can someone give you a call? That's, re- that's not recovering revenue, but it's potentially getting a volunteer to help that they weren't going to get yeah. before. So
2: abandonment in its wider sense, you know, once you've got the mechanism to be able to, to do that, either through, you know, tracking tags on the website mm-hmm. or through, you know, uh, the date, being able to see the data layer on the website, you know, that's uh, campaigning uh, asks. So actually you start to complete a campaigning form, uh, volunteer, as you said, there can be membership in itself, there can be um, actually signing up to an event. So it's easier to track the completed, the success, where you get the biggest difference is when you can track that uh, incomplete behaviour yeah. so that you can retarget or reinforce or you know play back in some way to, to bring that top of mind again.
0: You've both worked with a lot of different businesses and we've provided a lot of examples What industries do you think do segmentation and personalisation particularly well?
2: From personal experience, travel and leisure are pretty good at this. Um, I think that's a mixture of the fact it's a very, very competitive market, but also the fact that um, the lead times on it are quite long. So actually, you might book a holiday every year. You might book a big holiday every two or three years. And therefore, when you're in market, you only have a short window to really grab the attention of that consumer and, and bring them to you. Um, so at, um, from personal experience, the, the work that I did at Travelodge was very much about um, bringing segmentation to them. So they, they were sending a single newsletter to all of their base uh, when I first got there. Um, and with a mixture of technology and strategy, um, we brought in some automated sense, so you know, basket and browser abandonment was brought in, lapsing, um, all that kind of made a difference. But also just starting to look at the difference between a leisure customer and a business customer. And it sounds so obvious in hindsight, but actually it just wasn't in the psyche. It wasn't in the kind of the, the business approach. Um, and so by starting to be able to um, create segmentation and personalization that way, then we could have targeted sends that were People that had, oh, you know, leisure customers with children that had stayed in an airport hotel in the last 12 months. So sure. you think that may be needed again. And it gets, you know, it gets pretty, pretty clever. Um, and, you know, does it work? Absolutely. So in a year, we were able to double the last click revenue for email through that new uh, automated activity and the new uh, targeted activity. So mm-hmm. absolutely fantastic. Um, Second example, um, just looking at the DMA Awards, always a good reference point if you're looking for, uh, you know, how to do something um, smartly. Um, So Virgin Holidays, uh, they were the gold winner for 2018 Um, and there's a really nice uh, kind of rundown in terms of how they started to divide up their holiday seekers and the personalised journey that they then gave each of those holiday seekers, Uh, very similar to the example that you were giving in terms of, um, of the shoppers. You know, by putting matching profile to behavior to onward messaging, uh, you know, made a, a massive difference in terms of their, uh, their email uh, revenue and, uh, and profitability. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Okay, what about yeah. you? What, what, what industries are there? Any other industries that you've come across uh, that, that do do it
1: particularly? Well? I was actually I was really upset. You said travel <laughs> because <laughs> I, no, know, I was it's, just oh, yeah, no, no, it's, we stole it's, your idea. It's, it's fine. It's fine. It's fine because you know the the, the reason I, I say it's fine is 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 because within travel you can focus on the points of the journey you're on. So there's that inspiration phase right at the beginning, trying to trying to get those those people inspired as to you know what they're actually going to. To, to book um and then that sort of planning phase so you've got straight away you've got these different segments you can put people into um so you know um that and then booking and then sort of in in trip bits and pieces what you can do once you're once you're on that trip and then after the trip post trip so those are those are great and i think it's kind of defined that journey it helps to to put you into those different segments and I, I, I've seen sort of really good results and really good um, campaigns because of that clear defined journey that people are on and then you just loop it back through again mm. you know and we talked about earlier was it a good experience if it was great then you can just feed them back into the inspiration phase again and I always talk about this um, example from uh, I'm gonna say a, a brand EasyJet but you, we've all seen that one the, the sort of their 20th yeah. birthday and it it brings me back to data being very sexy again, because that whole campaign was, it's all about you and yes, it's our birthday, but what did you do over this time? You know, you've traveled to this place, you've, you've gone X amount of um, miles with us. You prefer to sit in a window seat, all of those types of things. And that, that campaign, it was, it was segmented to those people who have, who have been using us for a little while, but then personalized to a T with what you've done with us Mm. and it's it's that type of thing and you know it works really nicely and it just feels it just feels like a like a breath of fresh air when you get that 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 type of campaign and it's going to draw you in and it's going to get you to to sort of buy again it's working on maybe a little bit of FOMO as well that sort of that type of thing you know you were on holiday you're not now yeah you know you getting them back into into the loop so that's I really do think that travel sort of nail it but then retail does a really good job as well. Of um, some, some, not all. There are. I'd actually brands. come. Up,
0: I could come up with more travel examples that do personalisation yeah. well, really yeah. well. Yeah. I think some retailers do it well. Mm-hmm. A lot of them do not.
1: Yeah, yeah. I think uh, I think there are, there are there are a ton. I won't name who it was exactly, but they were. This, this is what we were saying earlier about gender. I kept getting this uh, this this campaign through. Women's clothing, and I've I've never I never purchased i never looked at any women's clothing on this site. And I was trying to understand why, and I went through to um, their preference center, and it said I want to receive weekly campaigns of women's clothing, and I was unsubscribed from men's.
0: Maybe that was a weird default when you first signed up. Maybe, it was
1: just like... maybe, but 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 there you go. So um, so yeah, there, there's some retail brands. That, well, and the, the reason why I say that is they they probably got a wealth of information. We will go onto a site, whether it's on your phone or on a laptop, and you go onto the site and you'll be clicking and looking at a number of different things. So you can build up a, a persona of that, that person very quickly and easily yeah.
2: from uh, from the amount uh, of products they have. Um, so those 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 kind of work. Yeah. And then the uh, spirit of fairness. Let's bring a B two B example in. Go on, might as well. You can tell I work in birth camps, too. of course. <laughs> um, but um, HubSpot do a brilliant. Now you would expect them to, to be yeah. fair, because that is their business. Mm-hmm. But they are really good at linking um, topics that you've looked at and engagement that you've had uh, with them and then mirroring that in the the next send or the next topic that they kind of send out. Mm. Um, So, yeah, just to to give you a different flavour.
0: I'm going to throw in the mix media, modern media. Spotify, Netflix.
1: Oh, yeah.
0: I would say that Spotify, with their annual uh roundup email Mm -hmm. is and well i wouldn't say just email i'd say it's an entire campaign yeah is exceptional in the way that they do with their personalization and it's and it's this the the great thing about it it is completely 100 percent hyper personalized to every single individual and that that is what is the most impressive big piece is that all three of us Uh will have a different version yeah and it's and the, and like the conversations that it generates, the comparisons. I, you know who who hasn't that doesn't have a... You know that I'll, doesn't have I a Spotify account. Sit there comparing their results yeah, with their mate. Yeah. Like, well, what was yeah. what was your top listen to artist? And like, we, is it shameful or is it not?
1: Yeah. We've Luckily, had this mine was
0: Michael Jackson, so we're all good.
1: Um, I'll, <laughs> I'll 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 tell you guys what what mine was. We we spoke about this. Yeah. Um. So when I'm in, when I'm in the office and you know, there's a lot of commotion going on, and sometimes I just need to focus on what I'm doing. So I play. <coughs> I play rain sounds.
0: <laughs> it's rain making sounds is
1: fantastic. <laughs> so, so my number one played song of last year on Spotify was rain sounds
2: for concentration. Oh. Oh. Take no shame from that. I listen to the sound of the sea. Oh. There you that's, go. that's my Alexa call out in the office. You know? I have a, i
0: have a dedicated app to listen to a variety of different jungle sounds, the ocean, the rain. I prefer white noise personally, yeah. but while well, we, yeah, yeah, there we, go. we
2: can let let the listeners then start to profile us in terms of listening taste. There you go, uh, exactly. Geekiness and uh, a love of AI,
0: absolutely. Yeah. But then you know, I got kind of the other example was was Netflix, and mm. actually Netflix doesn't send very many emails. At least I, I don't personally receive that many emails. But what they do send, yeah, is related genuinely related to my viewing history Mm -hmm. so you know they know what shows I've watched they Mm -hmm. know that I've got through x amount of seasons so when the new season is up they will send and this is kind of probably more segmentation I was going to say yeah because they know you know they've got their group of people that are waiting for you know stranger things or Sabrina the teenage witch to come live (laughs) Um, another New level. Ad- ador- ador- <laughs> do you know what? I'm not even ashamed. The chilling, the chilling tales of Sabrina is brilliant.
2: Okay, I um, think you should be ashamed about not being ashamed. Exactly.
0: Be ashamed. But but they the way that they do their marketing, you know, they, they really, you know, they're not. It's not like they send an email every week about all of all of the different shows because if that was to happen, oh my god, the amount of shows that Netflix goes live every week is just insane. But they they know your viewing history and they yeah. use that data. Really effectively, and I think th- as long as they continue doing that and they don't try and do too much cross promotion, I think mm-hmm. they, that word of mouth that Netflix has managed to create yeah. anyway is even more powerful in the context of the way that they do their th- email marketing. I think
1: it's, it's nice, um, so yeah, it's, it's great that they've got email, and I, it's actually a, an example I've used is, is a Stranger Things Netflix email. And it's kind of, you know, the kids out on their bikes and in the background, this GIF is just flashing away. It's a really cool looking email, but you can tell it's a segment of people who have watched season one and season two is ready or season three when, you know, it's, it's, it's ready. That's the type of email. And it's, it's very simple. and it's, it, it is a segment. Yeah. Um, but what they do alongside that as well is just to have sort of channels running is, you know, you will have, do you have the app as well. Yeah. And the app, you'll get a, a notification in the app to say, well, you've just finished watching this. This is, this is up next. And they can do the same this thing This is with, what other people yeah. have started
0: watching when they've yeah. had a hangover from Stranger Things. Yeah, exactly. There is a point at which th- this can become a bit creepy, though. We know that Netflix knows our viewing history, so it's kind of expected. But then at what point within every other industry that sends emails, yeah. at what point does it then become creepy? At what point does that personalization border on a privacy invasion? Which is what creepy really is. It's an invasion of, of, of your privacy.
2: Yeah. yeah, it's a it's a great question and definitely a consideration. So um, there was um, at one of the previous email councils, there was a great um, case study told of a pet insurance company, and so they started to personalise because they know the species of your pet, with the hero image on the on the emails, and so they started to put a matching picture of whatever pet you had on that email, and therefore, so if you've got a Staffeteria, they put that on there. If you had a goldfish, they'd put that on there. And actually, they saw engagement with that email increase. So they took it a step further and they started to put, um, using agile content, the name of the pet on the pet bed or you know on a pillow next to it. And actually, they saw engagement fall off because they'd reached that tipping point of going. Actually, I'm not so comfortable with this anymore. So um, I don't think you can prejudge it necessarily but I think that's where you know the other thing that we always have to keep in mind is a test and learn approach and therefore that's you know you can you have to understand where you've reached a tipping point and where actually it's not beneficial anymore and you need to kind of double back. I think that is the beauty of what we do is we've got the ability
1: to kind of ramp back (laughs) if if things go go pretty bad. It it, it is really difficult to kind of gauge how creepy you're, you're going to be And I said before, you almost have to use yourselves, you know, the guys in the the office as a bit of a litmus test to see whether or not it would be creepy. Because you can get really excited about something, a new piece of technology and think, oh, this is going to be brilliant. But that, I didn't think that would be creepy, having your pet's name on your, like a bowl or something in a campaign, I don't think it would be. But then I guess you've got to look at your your readership. And if they think it is, then you've got to stop that straight away. Mm. Um, A lot of it will come down to um, your content as well and how it's written. Sometimes it can be written in a way that it, it is pretty creepy, you know. Knowing that I, you, we've bought something, and then saying we know you've bought this, or you've
0: been browsing these pages. Yeah, that, I think we take is... for granted as marketers the extent of what we can see. Yeah. When you actually tell a layperson exactly what we can see and how the extent to which we can track them, mm-hmm. most of, most people that I know are like, "Are you kidding me?" Mm-hmm. Like, so you know that I've gone and done x y and z and i'm like yeah we not only know that but we know what browser you use where you were at the time and you did it yeah and you know the size of your shoes okay i mean that's not necessarily the case but maybe you gave us the size of your shoes so mm-hmm. we can gauge that mm-hmm. and i think for the most for most lay people that would be really really creepy yeah. so you know there is a line at which you can cross like with this you know putting the, the person's pet name on, on, it is, is absolutely aligned for most pet
1: owners that is. Well, I guess it, it comes down to what are you going to be using it for. Like having that, in in hindsight, looking at the that personalized bowl or whatever it is that they'd have in that in that campaign, to what end? What was what were you achieving with that necessarily? Was that to get them to buy a bowl with that, their pet's name on it or something? Then possibly, but if it's just having it in the, the hero um, image in the campaign,
2: then maybe it is a bit yeah. too far. And I think right. the, the consideration here might also be about whether it's overt or covert personalization. Right. So is this information that you are signposting that you know about me are using back, as in the, we know that you were on the website three hours ago and would you like to repurchase, versus um, covert, which is let's replay a product you might have left or content you might have seen mm-hmm. and allow you to recognise that that's relevant because you recognise it, rather than going... We know, we know, we know, or push, push, push. Yeah. but again,
1: it comes back to what we were talking about earlier. Um, you know, it's marketing when it's in your face. You know, really rubbing it in my face. It's just a helpful email when it's something that you know we're sort of pointing out to you. You, you know, you might be interested in this type of thing, and we know that you probably are. And it's it's serving up that helpful content and straight away it's not marketing. It's not creepy anymore because you're helping me out. You know, mm. you're, effectively you're just one of my mates. You know, you know me that well. Um, it's when it's not helpful, then straight away it's marketing, you're invading my privacy, and I want to uns- unsubscribe straight away.
0: Mm. You know. I think with um, with things like real-time content, so you mentioned earlier around the kind of hyper-personalization mm-hmm. based on your location, mm-hmm. I think that may be a step beyond the, the, the normal layperson. Yeah. Um, I think some of it is okay. I've seen some really nice examples around using weather, yeah. Des- for travel, again, using yeah. weather at your destination, that's quite a nice one. Countdown timers, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think there is like a, the geolocation ones that I think like that show the map based on where you are if you're looking at it on your phone. I think that might be a bit
1: too far for some it people. It depends on what the what the point of the email is. There's there that example of... There's one of... A, I forget, it was like a US sports team. Um, and on the way to the stadium, it's giving you sort of updates. It was the Nuggets. Was it the Nuggets? The Denver nuggets, Denver yeah. nuggets. You know, it's it's like updates on the on the way to the stadium. There's a heavy traffic. You know, once you get to the stadium, you know, uh, there's there's places to buy your food. Once you get further inside, then it's like where your and seating they know is which and... ticket you're at, so yeah, they, yeah. they
0: tell you which which is your closest like foods kiosk yeah. kiosks yeah. based on your seating. Mm. I mean, that's
1: just like is that but is that spooky or is that like oh actually that's pretty cool. I mean, I'm yeah. I'm an email geek hands up so I see that
2: I think that's cool
1: that's really cool I don't cool. want to see more of that sort of yeah. stuff but is it too
2: much yeah well, and I think it's perception absolutely it's really yeah. the perception isn't it? so you know part of that function was uh, which food vendors have got the lowest queues oh my god and you go this is so helpful um, yeah you know it's sort of like um, you know people go oh, I hate cold calling you know and I'm old enough to remember a day before the internet and we had to do things differently but um but, you know, everyone goes, I hate cold calling. But you go, well, but if your Sky subscription was about to expire and BT phoned you and went, we've got a highest price offer for new members, you go, oh, actually, that's quite convenient. And that's, it's that perception piece. Isn't it's it, no right? longer a cold call, right? Yeah. Yeah, but it's, it's, as we're saying, it's,
1: it's relevant then. It's relevant. You know, six uh, months. Two shots. <laughs> relevant. <laughs> relevant. Relevant. It's, um, you know, six months prior, it's, oh, you know, I'm, I'm happy with what I've got. Yeah. You know, leading up to cancellation or you know expiry date, then straight away it's it's it means something to me. Yeah. But then it's kind of speaky, Where did you get that data?
2: That's a different podcast. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so I guess in, in in summary, around the uh you know, at what point does it become too creepy? I think that is going to be something very very unique to each individual business, mm-hmm. and they'll need to test. At what point either engagement drops off, or they actually yeah. get feedback to say, "No, you, this is too far," yeah. and then you can, you, you know, because you can change it immediately, you can scale that, scale that back. I think, I think there are certain industries and certain segments within those industries you might need to be a little bit more careful with, um, in terms of the way in which you handle that personalization and to how far you can take that personalization. Yeah.
2: And again, you know testing and learning doesn't have to be expensive you can float an idea or have two versions and go out to some of your customers and go we're thinking of doing this mm. can we have your feedback you know or create a panel you know there are some very low cost simple ways of getting direct feedback yeah with a little bit of thought and effort
0: well it's it just i guess it's kind of just to, to tie in something we talked about earlier around the the cost benefit analysis of doing personalization um, i worked with an organization that tried to do uh, personalization segmentation based on language and they ran a lot of tests simple tests but a lot of tests and what they found at the end of it was it made absolutely zero difference mm. so the amount of effort it took them to do the per- the, the yeah. language personalization and actually the actual costs because they had to have it translated mm ultimately did not get them to a particularly drastic difference it was like a marginal gain, but it wasn't worth the effort yeah. for them to to do that personalization whereas actually there might have been a different thing they could personalize that actually yeah. did have an effect
1: but was it i mean for, for those guys was it a case of they'd been doing so much um segmenting personalization it was a case of what what could we do next to get to that that next that next level
0: they were exploring it so they they had some hypotheses they had uh some changes in their senior leadership that had Mm. said you know we have a market in germany and would it be better for us to do translated emails to our german market that was it was more that kind of question so rather than having an argument internally about well they won't they they just did it they ran the test yeah and they didn't just run it once they ran it for a few months to see whether it was just that one
1: point in time you do need to test it for a period of time
0: yeah and and they just they were like look we explored it didn't work and then they were going to run a whole series of other tests other hypotheses based on questions they'd been asked well
1: nick said it i mean you could have asked the database for one but two i mean if they know let's say your your german market if you're looking at your german market and open rates and engagement and click through if they were already high then that's kind of a a flag
2: for you that oh, we don't need to change it it's, yeah. it's, it's okay as it is no it's a great consideration um, because um, personalization does create the need for more content and therefore therefore there is a, um. a business consideration to that so I worked with a gaming company and they spent quite a lot of uh, resource and therefore money creating um, different banners based on the sports that you'd last bet on right uh, so they ran some tests of uh Single banner versus multiple banner, and then no banner. And actually, what they found was that they had a half percent drop in engagement from the no banner, but relative to the cost of actually creating those assets in the first place, they it put them in net profit. And therefore, sometimes less of a performance, but relative to the cost, is as important a consideration yeah. as an uplift.
0: Yeah, and yeah. I mean, we you know we we've been talking a lot about relevancy, but actually that isn't always a reality for a lot of marketers sometimes you just have to get that email out the door yeah and you just have to do it and it doesn't you know personalization doesn't even come into effect you know it, it ideally yes you would and you'd have a team of 100 that could do it but you know when you're in a team of two which some of our listeners will be mm-hmm. sometimes you just have to go down the batch and blast and just send it and you know maybe you won't have that as, as high a performance as you might have done but ultimately it's probably saved you three or four hours creating that banner for for, for the email
1: i think i think there's, there's definitely something to be said for, for batch and blast and you know we've been talking about how great segmentation and personalization can be but you can go down this rabbit hole and all of a sudden there'll be little pockets of your database that might not get anything at all <laughs> yeah. you know and for for, for for those cases that's where batch and blast is is amazing yeah. you know it, co- it covers everyone in your in your database so at least they get something because if you are segmenting so much and that's all you're relying on, and there are those pockets of people that aren't getting anything at all, then they're going to go stale. And when you try to engage with them, it's going to be like, well, oh, who's who's this? And, you know, so if you get about you completely, then you just lost that person. So I think having a good balance between the two is actually where you want to be. Yeah. You know, using using uh, batch and blast sparingly, um, but then ramping up your efforts to kind of understand more about your database, and then you can segment and then personalize. Um, so it's a it's a harmonious mix
0: and what a lovely way to end our podcast oh. Gav oh. that's all we've got time for
1: <laughs> <laughs> thank you both for, for
0: joining me on this podcast I appreciate it. it's been a, a very enlightening conversation um, if you want to get in touch with us you can drop us an email at email at dma.org.uk that's email at dma.org.uk As per the previous podcast, currently we're available on SoundCloud, but we are looking at hosting it on a wider range of podcast services. In fact, by the time this podcast goes live, I'm hoping we'll be on iTunes. Uh, Please do rate, review and subscribe. Share with your fellow email geeks. You know, we want to get as many people in the industry listening to this because we think we're really interesting and we're hoping that other people might think we're really interesting too. (laughs) I'd like to thank my co-hosts, Gav and Nick, and I'd like to thank everybody at the DMA for helping to make this podcast happen because without them, I don't think I would know how to upload it to SoundCloud, <laughs> quite honestly. I've been your host, Lily Boev and this has been My Dog Ate My Email.